welcome everybody to the Anything But Typical podcast. And in true fashion, we've got a very Anything But Typical entrepreneur and his story will blow your mind and it will inspire you to reach uh, for greater heights. And what was really cool is uh, a previous guest who's a client on our uh, of us, um, Patty Comer, of uh, you know, she she said, Gary, have you met Esbeth Andaya? And I said, No. She goes, Oh my gosh, you got to hear his story. So, Patty of a crew partners connected us, and uh, Esbeth and I had lunch, and I got to hear his story. And today, you is your lucky day. You get to hear his story. So by the time this is airing, Esbeth has been married now at this point. And uh, so Esbeth, here's the story. You and Marlene are enjoying a nice meal at one of your favorite places, good food at Montfort. And uh, evidently you've been there more than once and <laughs> you are <laughs> walking that to is true. your table <laughs> and somebody recognizes, hey, that's Esbeth, you know, Esbeth, the guy that owns Insight Automation. Um, and they are talking about you, but they don't realize that you can actually hear everything that they're saying about you. What is it that you would like somebody else to be saying about you? I would love for people to be saying good things, just like everybody else would. But I think the main thing is integrity that I have, you know, a really good integrity and a very, very good work ethic. And I'm not a quitter. And if we come into a problem at their home that we're going to come up with a solution. Well, that makes total sense. And there's no way that you could have built the company you've built without all three of those things. So thank you. Um, what I want to do is I'm going to pass the mic over to Ben and have him get into a little bit more of your story, which is a really interesting and powerful story. Uh, so Ben. Yep. The, the virtual passing of the mic. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Esbeth's uh, the owner and president at Insight Automation, and we're going to focus uh, a lot on an extremely interesting journey that Esbeth has had to what we're going to end up calling success, right? In, in his eyes. So um, I want to start early in, in your life, right? The a pivotal moment in your childhood with your, with your mother passing away. Can we start there and you can fill us in kind of where you are at that point, And then we'll, we'll take it forward from that, from that piece. Sure. So uh, I grew up in California, Riverside, California. Uh, my mom passed away when I was 12 years old. Uh, moved to North Carolina with my dad and then he basically abandoned us and I started doing well we went to foster home so we would stay at some foster homes and then we would also stay at some relatives homes and after high school I just started working away. So as you're going through um, foster care right and, and being in, in different places how how did that experience shape 
your mindset or your future? Cause right. You can look back now and, and see some of the correlations. So how did that shape your mindset at that point? Well, I'm, I'm very thankful for the, the struggles that I had because I believe that molded my character. And every time somebody told me I couldn't do something, I would want to go out and do it. But whenever somebody would pat me on the back, I would feel comfort. I would be in a comfort zone. So I wouldn't try hard enough, no matter what I was doing. Interesting. So it's almost as if that, that type of motivation was partially because of the environment, right? Of what you went to, went through, but it's also people are naturally tailored towards either the comforting type motivation or, or the, the brunt force that, that, that I think propels you a little bit. Um, you also had struggles in, in high school, right? I think Gary had told me you, you graduated with a, a pretty, pretty low GPA um, and had, yes. had a bunch of, we're, we'll leave it at that, right? Um, <laughs> and, I'm, I'm proud of my little high school diploma. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you had uh, teachers and leaders um, basically say that you're not going to be successful. Um, so Correct. Can you fill us in a little bit of, of that? Yeah, so I, I was, I, I think I'm very dumb, to be honest with you. I, I think uh, the advantage, well, people call it luck, it's when preparation meets opportunity and no matter what, what you do. But for example, my economics teacher, I remember him telling me that I was dumb and if I wasn't getting the principles of finance, what he was teaching me, I would never be successful. And then my uh, world history teacher, also U.S. history teacher in high school told me that I would never, because I would always score an F in every test, that if I didn't get my life together, I would end up working at McDonald's. And two, I would never know what a Four Seasons is. And I, at that point, I, I didn't know what a Four Seasons was. And I, now I know it's a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I'm very thankful for them, even though they, you know, brought me down. But I'm very thankful that they inspired me. And I never let that become also like an ego thing that I want to go out and brag it in their face because I would focus all my energy on trying to prove them wrong. But I just wanted to prove to myself that I can do it and they were wrong, but not mm -hmm. to really prove them wrong. Yeah. And you would, you've said a couple of times that that that's the stuff that, that motivates you, but also being a, a teenager and being in that development stage hearing stuff like that over and over again can quite often be demoralizing or make it to where it's really difficult to move forward. So what's your, your mentality at that point in your life of how are you, how are you able to say, stay so mentally strong to where you can keep saying, no, nope, I'm going to use this as fuel and I'm going to prove them wrong, but it's going to be for myself. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, I think it was anger that was driving me uh, because I'm not gonna lie to you. It did get to me. And then I, I would talk to myself because a couple of times, I think, I, I don't know if I told Gary, I thought of committing suicide when I, when I was, you know, anywhere from like 18 to like 21, I was, I hated my life because I felt that I'd never accomplished anything. I've never gotten awards and it's right. Family members are right. Friends are right. The only award I've ever gotten is, a student a month award and that was for perfect attendance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least, at least you showed up. Right. Um, yeah. 
what, what was your support system like at, at that point? Because you, you're struggling through school, you're going to different foster houses. Um, you're having dark thoughts about hurting yourself in some capacity, right? So what, what did that support system look like for you there? Um, to be honest with you, I don't think I really had a good support system because I, I was very negative about life. And that's why I thought about committing suicide when I was that young, because I, I didn't have anybody to mentor me. Mm-hmm. So, or, or tell me it's going to be okay, but I am very thankful of the outcome because if somebody was to like, just tell me, Oh, your life's about to change. Just keep working hard. I don't think I would have put that hard work into it, but at age 21, my fiance, which is going to be my wife, she's the one that changed my, my life completely. Instead of her buying me like a pair of shoes or a pair of, uh, like a nice shirt to, to wear out, uh, she would buy me books and it would be inspirational books. And she said, if my, if my father can do it, he didn't finish second grade, you can do it. So I, I think that's when I came to a point at age 21 that really changed my life around. Yeah. So I have to interject something here because th- there's something really, really powerful in the, this first, you know, however many minutes of the segment one is you said, I don't think I'm a very smart guy or whatever. Um, my word's not yours, but I would beg to massively differ. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're way smarter than you think you are. Um, but the other thing that um, I, I've noticed, it, and I noticed it from the first moment that I met you, you're humble, you're grateful, you're teachable, and you have this um, appetite for learning. And, you know, sorry, but that doesn't necessarily, none of those are guaranteed by great grades or whatever. I know a lot of people that are unteachable, but you are extremely teachable. So tell us a little bit more about these books and this turning point that you're, uh, when this airs your wife <laughs> says <laughs> you know, and, and is bringing to you like you 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 mentioned and i don't know if many people caught this your your wife's father finished second grade is that right uh-huh. that's correct he uh, i'm sorry actually he didn't, he didn't even finish second grade and is running a multi-million dollar business um so I, I i if he didn't even finish second grade in mexico i wonder how he even learned english that's just my <laughs> that's just my thing so I was like, hey, and she would use him as an example. And she would tell me, if he can do it, you can do it. Because you guys both wake up in the morning and put the, your pants the same way. Man, that is so powerful. So powerful. The other thing I heard from you when we first met was this gratefulness for the struggle, which you've talked about already, but also just for the opportunity in this country yes absolutely more about that too Esbeth. yeah so as i as i've gotten older I, i've learned to appreciate you know our, our wonderful country uh people don't understand how it is in other countries you know my family came from mexico to california and you cannot accomplish 
the things, it doesn't matter what height you are. If you're skinny, you're fat. If you're, if you're dark skin or you're light skin, it doesn't matter. What I realized in, in America, whoever puts in their two cents will get those two cents back in full. So for example, in America, there's a system and I've learned to use a system by reading these books. In Mexico, there's no such thing as a credit score. So there's no such thing as, hey, I want, I, I work really hard. I want to start my business, right? So I'm going to go with my, all my, my uh, balance sheets and profit and losses of the business to the bank so I can borrow some money so we can keep expanding. You can't do that in Mexico. And I'm speaking about Mexico because that's where my family's from. So yeah. in Mexico, you're either rich or poor. And here in America, if you learn how to use a system and to your advantage, you can really succeed. But we got to start feeling sorry for ourselves and take advantage of it. So I have to, I, I've got an unfair advantage because I got to hear some of your story over a, a wonderful lunch. It wasn't at Good Food at Montfort. It was at Harper's, <laughs> but it was still good. <laughs> and so right. um, you take us through the scenario, kind of what led into this situation and how you got out of it. But, but what I remember was you telling me about living in a very small apartment that had really no furnishings. Mm -hmm. You were sleeping on the floor. Your sister was sleeping in the only bed at the time that was in this apartment. You had enough uh, money for peanut butter and oatmeal. Um, and that was it. And I don't even think you had a car yet at that moment. So what, and, and your sister said something to you, because this goes into the system a little bit. Correct. And you refused uh, your, your sisters actually, you know, like it was a legitimate concern and opportunity. So take us through that scenario. What took you there? What happened? And then what happened after that? So my, somebody told my sister to my, she was telling, I believe a friend that we were struggling and we didn't have enough money to buy food to eat. So they said, it's simple. Go, go to the Wonderwood um, in Charlotte uh, food stamps place. So we went there with my sister Giselle. And I was like, well, I mean, beggars right now can't be choosers. I told myself, so let, let's go. We, we, need, we need the food. So as soon as we got there, my sister applied for the, the, the food stamps. They gave it to her. We walked out there and I looked at her and somebody, something spoke in my heart and said, you don't need this. So to me, I take it more of like it was God speaking to me. So I told her, I was like, we don't need this. And she's like, and she, we started kind of like debating outside. And she says, what do you mean? We don't need this. We got to eat. And I said, no, we don't need this. I said, this is only going to make us lazy. So what we got to keep doing is working hard. Because if somebody gives it to you, you're not going to appreciate it. And to this day, she went back and handed it back. She said, we don't need it. And we, we told ourselves, if we work hard, God will provide. And little by little, time by time, it, 
it started blossoming. And now one of her biggest uh, memories is that she says, I'm very thankful that we didn't get the food stamps because it would have made both of us lazy. And how old were you at that point? I was 23. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so you would, you were in California and then mm-hmm. you would move to, to Charlotte. What brought you to uh, Charlotte or to North Carolina anyway? Right? I had a, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I had a Charlotte, uh, a friend I went to high school with and he was an uh, operations manager for ADT, the alarm company. And things were really bad in California in the residential industry. So we lost, I lost my job. And he's like, hey, I can pay you this much. You know, you're 1099, you install alarms. And I was like, hey, that's not bad. So that's what caused the move from California to, to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So um, another little point. I just think that, you know, mindset is a big deal. You, your mindset at 23 was far more advanced than many people my age and older. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to say that, Gary. <laughs> well, it, no, but it's I, I know some, you know, people that are my age or older that that still don't have that mindset. They have a an entitlement mindset. They have a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong if somebody has to t- take food stamps. So th- and that isn't even your, your message. Correct. That, the, that's not the message either. The, the, you know, there are, there are people that, I, I mean, I, I know some as well that have had to do it or whatever, but what was interesting is, is your mindset was so focused, like, no, we have got to do this. You were afraid. What I heard was you were afraid of becoming lazy or entitled. And so you're like, we have to press on. So you don't build resili- resilience or perseverance by reading about it. <laughs> you, you go through the fire to do it. Um, Correct. I, I didn't want to feel. I don't want to get comfortable. And once you get comfortable in in a situation that you're in, you will always stay there. And and that's what um, a book that my fiance gave me that you don't want to stay comfortable in a situation because then what happens is you're you're not exercising your brain on what it, it can do and the capabilities it can do. And one quote that stuck to me from that book, Lead the Field, that said, anything the mind can conceive and believe, it will achieve. And there is no such thing as luck is when preparation meets opportunity that makes a person successful. If the, the opportunity is always there, but if you're not prepared, that opportunity will make you look like a failure. And don't get me wrong, I, I had multiple failures along the way from learning, but I realize now, I was not prepared. I thought I was prepared, but I truly was not prepared. And we're still learning as we go. So let's dive deeper on that because you're talking about when preparation meets opportunity and you're, you're 23 and you say, I I need to, I need to just keep working hard and I'm going to be all right. Right. I'm going to be able to to buy the food that I need and things like that. Um, But hard work by itself is not going to, get you to where you are today. So talk about that evolution a little bit where you're at the point where you're almost taking food stamps and you say, Nope, I got to put the the nose to the grindstone and work hard to obviously a vastly different scenario where you are now. Yeah. So I think what really helped me and steer me in the right path, I started uh, writing down a lot 
of what my goals were. And if I can hit three of those goals a day, so I would write five goals down. And there were simple goals. That's how I started off. I told myself, I'm going to write simple goals. So it would be read two chapters of this book. That was one goal. Go exercise for 30 minutes. That was my other goal. Uh, make some phone calls. That was another goal. And to start the business plan, that was another goal. But if I would hit three, I told myself I could hit three, three of those five goals, scratch them off on a daily basis, even though how small they are, I if I can't do this little job, I won't be able to get to be able to do the big job. So I just think that I had to put myself on a schedule and accountability for myself. Such a great mindset. Is that something that you took from, from a book or was, was a mentor the one that, that guided or that told you to, to do that practice? Where'd that come from? From the book. Yeah. It, it came from the book. So, you know, it's like the, the famous general and I heard the story, when you get out of bed, be thankful and then fold your bed because you started folding your bed. The first thing you're going to start off your day with a great day. So I told myself, I was like, if I can accomplish those three little things out of five things, I'm doing okay. Yeah. So many people will read a ton of books and then apply none of it to their life. And, and you did the polar right. opposite. You digested it and then figured out how you could use it to, to make yourself a better person, make your situation even better too. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then I, I got myself a journal. I think that, that that's what really made me take off. Honestly, it was a journal. So in the journal, all I would write was everything I was thankful for from a roof over our, my, my head, from food and my job and my health. I, I would be, no matter how bad things were, I, I was I would write how thankful I was. Yeah. And I, I think that's what triggered my mindset to start changing and looking at life differently. Is that a practice you still do today? To be honest, I'm, I, 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 I dropped the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm back on it again. Yeah. Uh, since last year, I'm, I'm back on it again. I dropped it when, see, once again, comfortable. I, we started doing really good and, you know, 19, 18, and I started getting a little comfortable. I wasn't reading or listening to any audiobooks. So last year, again, I started again, and now we're starting to see the progress again. <laughs> it's got to be a little, a little easier to keep doing it when you can look back and say, oh, this is what happens when I don't do it. And this is what happens when I do do it. Um, mm -hmm. So let's d start diving into the actual business and career a little bit more. So first off, Give everybody uh, just a, a peek inside insight and, and what you do today. Okay. So insights on audio, video, automation, electrical company. We specialize in high-end custom homes. Uh, so we go in there, we wire homes from electrical to low voltage, you name it, shades. And then we go out there into the trim and we also do service of electrical. Uh, what my role is right now, uh, I have a partner. He has a share of the company now. So my goal is always estimating and doing sales basically. And then now we have a, everybody has a different department now on what they're running from operations to accounting. And I run the sales side and then obviously the supervisors who run the, the guys on the field. Okay. So that's where you are now, but that's obviously not where you were on, on day one of the business. So take us into no. that of actually starting the company. So I started the company originally started with, with three guys, uh, 
John and Remy. And we started off as a security company, but like any other company, it's not as easy as people think it is. So we thought, hey, we're good guys. We're going to knock on some doors. We're going to get some alarm systems and easy money. Clearly, that was not the case. Uh, you get doors slamming your face. You start paying bills. And next thing you know, you're at $40,000 out of your pocket in one month. And you can't even pay somebody. So go, go ahead. Sorry. No, keep going, man. <laughs> so uh bought john uh john didn't put anything into it but he did get his last bonus which wasn't anything really and his paycheck remy i was like all right here's your cut i'm gonna stay with the company and then when i paid him i'm like why did i why why did i stay with it like i can just start a new one and i was like that that's the biggest mistake fast forward i was just me by myself installing alarms and i had a client in huntersville ask me hey can you install my tv and I was like, why would I want to install your TV? And I'm right there installing the alarm panel. She said, because uh, the Geek Squad Best Buy wants to charge me $500. And I was, I remember putting a little screw on the top of the alarm panel. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> Geek Squad wants to charge you $500 to install your TV? And it wasn't even adding a receptacle. It was just mounting the TV. It was just basic smart TV. You know? And I looked at her and I said, I'll charge you $200. She's like, for real? I was like, yeah. I mean, I was even scared because when I told her, I was like, $200? And she's like, okay, can you do it right now? And I'm like, sure. So I install the TV. It takes me like 30 minutes. It's, it's, it's easy. You know, I'm good with my hands. So I install it. He's like, here's a check for the alarm system. And here's your 200 bucks in cash for not a TV. I was driving and I'm like, wow, could this be a business? <laughs> Installing TVs? So then I, I started Googling it. And sure, sure enough, it's the business. Uh, I met Fernando through uh, church, and I heard he was in, in the AV industry. And he taught me everything I know. I was a sponge, and I tried to learn as much as I could from him. And I realized how much of a high-demand audio and video is for, uh, you know, the nicer neighborhoods with people with bigger incomes. So that started taking off little by little started doing well like around 2016 then a, a client so we do all the smart lighting controls and it would frustrate me how these electricians would not learn how to wire these modules or my lighting controls and they would burn them up so then i was like if if automation goes hand in hand with electrical why don't I, we just branch off into electrical and, the, and i was talking to a builder who I consider a mentor of mine. And he said, why don't you? He's like, it's not rocket science. So I applied for our electrical license. We got it. And then it just, the electrical just took off because I already had a very tight net work of clients. And I just reached, Hey, we're doing electrical. If you're going to need a bid, let us know. Sure. And then it just started escalating, escalating. Now we're getting so many bids on a, on a weekly basis from different builders. Like, Hey, we heard good things about you guys. We want you guys to do our home. And I'm like, we're, we're maxing out right now what we can have because of uh, labor. But they're like, well, whenever you get good, more good guys, call us. We're ready for you guys. <laughs> so that's fast forward. That's basically the story of how we grew. So what year was it that you started with three guys and then it came back down to you? Oh, that, that was in 2013 to 2013. It was it didn't last that long. 
Okay, cool. Hey, yeah. And they, uh, I, I still speak to one of them and he told me that he, one of his biggest regrets was not staying in it. He was like, he, he told me before, he's like, I see the, the, the trucks and the vans around, you know, Myers Park East over. He's like, whenever I'm in the area of South Park, he's like, I see him. And he's like, I'm really happy for you. He's like, I regret not staying. And I, I just my negativity put me away. Mm. Pushed me away. So, uh, mm. I mean, I think consistency just, you know, I, I would tell, I would, when we started the company, I told them, John and Remy, I said, if, if you play around with the fire, something's going to catch on fire. And we got to keep playing with fire. We got to keep playing with fire and something is going to spark and catch. And in 2015, that's when I started seeing a little more of a breakthrough. So, but like I said, 16 was when I really started seeing the growth. And then every year, I mean, we almost grow 40%. It's, it's ridiculous. So you mentioned Fernando, your mentor, mm-hmm. who taught you everything. And if I remember right from our first conversation, you said in about three months, you devoured everything that uh-huh. he could teach you. Yes. So, so, so go ahead. where is Fer- Fernando now? He's actually in his office next door. <laughs> oh, is he working for you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, think about that. The guy who is your mentor is working. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't burn bridges, but you know, yeah. isn't that beautiful? Yep. Yep. Uh, I, it's a blessing, you know, to be with him every day and working side by side with him every day. And he, I remember when I, after those three months, when I left, when I was working for him, he, I would call him like, Hey, how do you do this? Oh, do it like this, 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 this. All right. You know, the, so everything I know is because of him. And how did you meet him in the first place? Uh, through somebody I asked around church if they knew anybody that did AV when I wanted to get into the industry. Right. And they're like, oh, there, there's a, uh, a, a, a man in the, in the Spanish church, because I would go to the English church service uh, that knows a lot about AV. And in the AV IT automation industry, to be honest with you, you're not going to see Hispanics in it. It's a, a market more that's dominated by whites because I think it's a lot of people get intimidated by it, all the programming. And I think they set themselves up less than what they actually know, but it's not rocket science. Once you actually it's practice and you know, consistency, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. You'll, you'll learn it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy, this guy knows all this. And I asked him like, Hey, whenever you guys are busy, he's like, yeah, hey, come on. What? So I would go, I'll go. I want to work for him. <laughs> um, and I want to go back a little bit. Cause I think we're, we're skipping something that I'm really curious about. And that's the desire to start a business, right? M- most people will go mm-hmm. and they'll look for a paycheck and they'll be an employee for somebody. But what gave you that desire to actually be a business owner? Uh, I, I, I think the desire, I I never really thought about it like that. I think the main desire was that I've never had nothing to my name and I just wanted something that can say, you know, this is mine. And I I think that that was the main thing. And I think everybody that doubted me, that I think that that was a reason, but 
when I, like I said before, when I dropped the whole thing about me trying to prove somebody wrong, that's when I started doing better because I was afraid of failing and having them make fun of me by failing. So my, all my energy on a daily basis, all those, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, basically four years was scared of failing and have them make fun of me even more. So when I stopped that, I was like, if I fail, I'm going to get right back up. And I've learned not to do that again. Yeah. 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 Think about that. In, in some ways you're running from something which was failure and, and you started running to something which was dreams and, and things that were in your, your, your head, but you're running to something positive versus running from something that was negative. Correct. There's a lot of depth in that, man. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a ton of depth. One I, the, I've learned. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I learned that all from, you know, my mentors and especially Fernando. I see how he is. Um, he, he's not jealous that if somebody learns something more than him, not even business-wise, if somebody knows something more like about finance, like he's very open about it and never if whatever he knows, he wants to teach you. And I, I think that's, uh, a huge blessing to have because I feel like everybody's out to get each other. Like before this conversation, uh, this podcast, I, I should call one of my competitors. And I was like, Hey, I have a question about this house. We're taking over. I've never seen this equipment in here before and nobody knows how this works. And I know you're the guy for it. And he started laughing and he was like, just because it's us fifth, do it like this, 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 and cut this out, add this part. And it's a lot of labor involved, but you'll figure it out. And I was like, thank you. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Is that, and then, and then, uh, and that's when I'm realizing, you know, if, even if they're my competitors, if we work as a team, we, he's going to go further. I'm going to go further. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole rising tide raises all ships mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that, uh, and I told him today, as I was talking today, I said, hey, Hans, I was like, I'm not moving forward. Whenever I see your name come across the bid, I'm not even going to bid it. And I, I do bid, I'm a bit high because I was like, it's not fair that you put all that, all those hours into estimating me with these clients and then you not get the, get the job. And he was like, he was like, that's what I tell everybody. If we all work together and stay the same, we all prosper. And that then I just don't think, thank you. I'm sorry. I was going to say that's an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's a, there's a common theme in your story and in this episode of what is resonating through your experience. And that is, you know, we all have this choice. Do we look at things through a scarcity and there's a finite pool? Like if, if you win, that means I lose or I win. That means you lose. That's a scarcity mindset. Or if we go into an abundance mindset, which is like, hey, man, there's plenty of ocean out there. There are plenty of fish and uh, we can we can we can actually win together. Isn't that I mean, I just think that's really interesting. And I I, I heard that from the first moment that I met you, which was like why I was so 
drawn to you and your story. Like there's, it's, it's extremely beautiful. I do want to go back to um, something that you talked about where, so you've got this interesting mix of, I need other mentors. I need people that I can learn from, mm-hmm. but you also were devouring books and looking into how do I apply it? And, and Ben really hit the nail on the head where he said, you know, a lot of people read stuff, but they don't do anything. They, they don't apply it, which is, you know, mental gymnastics, as far as I'm concerned, you didn't really actually do anything. You just moved in. Mm-hmm. But talk to us a little bit about some of the most found, you, you made some references, but I, I'd be curious if you had to say the top three books that have influenced that I continue to apply on a regular basis, what would those three books be? So I, I would think it'd be uh, Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale, uh, Outliers by Ma- Malcolm Gladwell, and David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Because they're, they're all one and you gotta have the, the mental capacity. You know, you gotta be mentally strong and you got to work hard. And then the other thing is you, no matter what obstacles comes against you, you're not going to be scared. So, and all those books will teach you that, or they'll also, they'll also tell you, look at what you have in your surroundings and how you can prosper. Like lead the field talks about acres of diamonds. Uh, this man was so poor, but yet, his farm was sitting on a coal mine of diamonds. So somebody from America went to Africa and they're like, what is this? And like, Oh, they're all over the river. And then the the guy asked him, he was in the, he was a, he was a jeweler. So are you not like, do you not use this? He's like, no. So then he offered him money and very low, just read the book. And it's a true story. And he said, sure, I'll take it. Later on, he took that money and then all of a sudden he sees all these machineries come into his farm. He's like, what the heck is going on? They started drilling. There's nothing but coal to get diamonds out of it. And he was sitting on acres of diamonds. And that's how we are as people. We have a good resource around ourselves, but we don't sit down and think, how can, if I'm struggling with this, who can I reach out to that can help me? Who can guide me? Yeah, that's a big lesson that, again, you're just, you're pulling things out of these books and these mentors that I, I see so many people gloss over. And I, I don't think it's getting enough credit of just how, I mean, that's almost a superpower of yours of how incredible it is um, that most, the majority of people that that I come across, I know Gary said the same thing, that they just don't pick those things up at all. They just move on with their life. So I think it's a, a big kudos to, to how you've been able to grow. Yeah. And I, I'm a little crazy too, as well, though. I, uh, <laughs> you need a little I, mix I, uh, of crazy in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little crazy. I, I, I go, I go to Michael's and I buy these huge whiteboards and I, I, I go online or I go buy magazines. I start cutting out what I want and I start placing it. So, and I have it in my bathroom. So the first thing I do when I wake up, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth. I see it. Okay, this is what I'm aiming for this year. And then when I, the last thing I see before I go to bed is the same thing is my vision board. Mm-hmm. 
And you, you would not be surprised of my vision board. I'll make it like things impossible that I think they're honestly impossible. I was like, screw it. I'm just throwing it up there. And basically it's like law of attraction. You, you, you get them without even looking for them. What are those kind of things that I love that I, I, I was writing down inspiration boards and then you said vision boards, it's same thing, you know, but I like your term vision boards. So it sounds like you, it's a dynamic and uh, it changes from year to year or whatever. What mm-hmm. are some of those kind of things that are pictures or notions that you, you place on these boards that have come to reality? So um, in 2019, I battled a lot of anxiety. So what I did, I cut the joker out and, and said, put a smile on your face. So in, what, by seeing that every day, I was like, life is too short. I'm about, you know, three-eighths of my lifespan to be worrying about it. I was like, it's, there's going to be a solution so it's not even worth me stressing out about it. That's one. Uh, and when I started doing them, I really wanted a Mercedes Benz so bad. This is like in 2016. Well, the opportunity came of this huge contract. And I, I said, if I get that contract, I'm going to go buy my car. But without me even knowing that I was going to get that contract, it just landed on my feet, on my lap. I, uh, I basically attracted that car for myself without even knowing, but there was a play that had to be made before you get the car. And I, I collect watches. Uh, I have a very nice collection of very rare watches. Uh, there's a Rolex that I really wanted that's nearly impossible to get. And I called everywhere around town. I'll give you an example. This was last year. Everywhere around town, I call American Express concierge, and I'm like, I want the specific model number. Even American Express called Rolex up in uh, Geneva and Switzerland. They're like, they they told us good luck. <laughs> and I, what's so special about this? You know, eight thousand six hundred dollar watch. It's it's not even. It's only stainless steel. I was like, because they only made limited amounts, and it's very hard to get. That's why I want it. <laughs> I called Windsor. I called Finks. I called every jeweler across the country, New York, and they said they basically said good luck. But if you spend $60,000 with me, I can put you in the waiting list. All right, whatever. I, I didn't do that. Uh, when I did the vision board in January, about May-ish, beginning of May, uh, Rolex in Houston calls me like, hey, we have the, the, the Rolex Pepsi. Do you want it? You got three minutes. I said, yup. I was like, I can't believe it. So when they shipped it out, you know, I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I was, had it, I was trying it on in my bathroom, I was like, See, I cut the a Rolex Pepsi out. They call it Pepsi because it has the Pepsi colors. It's a GMT. I placed it on my vision board and I was like, I want that. Why? Because you can't get it. <laughs> and it's not even gold. It's a stainless steel watch, but it's just very, very hard to get. And everywhere I go, like people I know about timepieces, like a nice hotel or you're in the airplane, people are like, can I see it? And I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, I just hear how hard these things are to get and they'll make you spend so much money and they'll put you in a waiting list for five years. I'm like, yeah. Like, how'd you get it? I was like, they just call me. <laughs> I I love this conversation of, of practices and things that you're doing. So so I want to go down that a little bit more. I know we're getting away from the business, but I like these habits and, and things like that. So 
mm-hmm. with how much you focus on books, what are your practices to make sure that you, um, that you retain? Are, do you take notes? Do you highlight? Do you rip things out? What does that look like for you? Um, basically what I do, what the, the, depending on the situation I'm in, I mean, I do stress out and then I start uh, getting overwhelmed. But depending on the situation I'm in, I'll grab that and from, I'll try to grab it out of my head. I, I have notes at uh, my house of each book, but I'll try to grab information. Like when I'm really, really stressed out, I uh, obviously I start praying, but then I also tell myself, you can't saw sawdust. So you got to break it down. One, what's the problem? Two, what have you done to solve the problem? Three, what's the worst that can happen if you can't solve that problem? And with those three steps, I usually calm down and figure it out. But if it's something that I want, I just use, you know, books that I read, you know, anything that the mind can conceive and believe it will achieve or seeking you should find and then it's knocking shall be open asking shall be given on to you so those whenever depends on the situation i'm in i try to recall those uh highlights of those books go back to those three things again you said you can't solve sawdust mm-hmm. it's about solving the problem so walk us through one more time those three steps so one you can't solve sawdust two what is the pro what's the problem and what have you done to solve the problem and three, what's the worst that can happen if you can't solve that problem? Once you break those three steps down, and I mean, I'm guilty of this because I don't practice it enough when I should until two days later when I'm really stressed out, you realize it's not that bad. It's not going to be in the world. And there's always a solution for something, especially in the industry I'm in. If I can't deliver something, I just tell the homeowner, you know what? Here's your money. You can fool that way you're happy and I'm happy or I can take a hit for it and not be profitable, but I'll make sure it's going to get done. But I had to do this, 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 it's going to take this long. And then once you break those steps down for them, they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Take care of it. Interesting. So another thing that I want to do, just kind of a pause point in this, um, you talk about Mercedes Benz, you talked about this rare Rolex and all that kind of stuff. And yet what's interesting to me is I have never now granted, we've only met a couple times, but I have never gotten the impression for you or from you that stuff is what defines you at all. You know, I, <laughs> I don't see you as, as like, uh, you know, I have to have this to define me or anything like that. So talk to us. So what, what does, what does success truly mean to you? Uh, that's a good question. So I, I would say that life is too short to be average and ordinary. And I, my whole life, I've been average and ordinary. And I, I, I know I still am. But, you know, we're only here for a little bit. So I'm trying to do the, the best I can to leave a legacy of, for my family. Like, you know what? If my dad did it or my grandfather did it, I can do it. So also provide for a better future for my family. Cause I know, I know, I know money does not bring happiness, but it, it gives you comfort. So it allows you to be healthier that you can afford, you know, organic groceries and all that. 
and also uh, give you nicer vacations, be in a better community. So that's the reason, that's the way I look at it as a tool, not as an asset. Yep. And that's a big difference maker, right? If, if you, you can use that as a tool to improve the things that are important to you instead mm-hmm. of having it dictate what's important, that's the big difference between money being able to provide an avenue or pathway to happiness. Correct. Yeah. Um, you just said something that is like, this is the money line. <laughs> Life is too short yeah. to be average and ordinary. Yeah, I wrote that yep. down, put it in quotes. Like it's <laughs> that's why we have the anything but typical podcast. And that's why <laughs> you are on this anything but typical podcast, because you are anything but typical, Esbeth. You are anything. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's been a life is a roller coaster. You know, you're gonna have ups and downs, no, no matter no matter what you do, and the the grass is not always greener on the other side. We look at, you know, other business owners, and then I and then I meet them at conferences, or and then just tell me everything that they're going through, personal, and I'm like, man, and I wanted your life. I don't want your life anymore. <laughs> I'm happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So. You, you've talked a lot about uh, comfort and not staying in that, that comfort zone and being able to keep growing. How do you balance that in your life now where you, the balance, I guess, between appreciating and enjoying where you are today without falling into complacency? So uh, what we're, we're doing right now as a company, it's not really, really me, we're doing as a company is we're, we're, set, we're, we're setting these really high expectations and goals as a team, because if we all work as a team here, we're all going to prosper. So, and I believe if we're all on the same page on growing, then we're going to get there a lot faster together instead of just one person. Um, and then what about you on, on the personal front? Is there any, anything that you try and do to make sure that you're, you're still appreciating and enjoying today while continuing to, to grow and not be average and ordinary. Say, say that again. I said, are you, do you do anything in your life to, to be able to appreciate the moment today while still being able to look forward and, and keep growing? Yes. Um, you know what I, I like treating my wife to nice things. Because it, it makes me feel good. And I feel, you know, she doesn't ask for anything. But, you know, everything that I've learned from her and her being my motivation, I believe that's that's what keeps me going as well. Yeah. So it's, it's just hard for me to explain because it's mostly coming from the heart. Yeah. No, that's... Um, <clears throat> I know we're getting towards the end, but I, I've got a couple other questions on, on the business that, that I want to be able to dig in on. Um, as you're growing and you, you had the um, alarms, you hung up a TV for $200, and then you start getting into this whole other, whole other industry. What were some of the biggest hurdles that came along with those growths? Uh, I, I think it's going to be the cash flow as, as a small business. I think it, that that was the, the hardest thing 
and finding good people that you can put have the same vision as you because if they don't have the same vision as you you know even if you're a captain you can't lead that ship certain ways because mm-hmm. one of them controlling the steering wheel one of them controlling the wheels of acceleration you know what i mean so that i think that's the hardest thing yeah Th- those two things um on the cash flow front was there was there any any big piece or, or thing that you had to do to solve that problem? Or was it a kind of just kind of grind it out until you got to the spot where it wasn't as, as big of an issue? Uh, grind it out, definitely grind it out. And then refinance books on how, you know, you can use our banking system, whether it's credit cards and you get all these points back from the credit cards and not pay a single dime of interest. That way you can get you those 30 day nets and by the time you receive a paycheck from a client. So you start doing that and then you start building relationships with your banks. Now you don't have to buy a company vehicle out in cash, you, you know, low interest rates from the banks. And then we just use nothing but our credit card to make payments on, on all our material that we're buying. And we're just killing it with points. So now I get, you know, I'm learning how to use a system. Now I travel for free first class and stay on five-star resorts for free early check-in late checkout hundred dollars a voucher a day and food so those things that i didn't know and i'm learning throughout the way and i'm like wow i basically can party hard and play hard just by using a credit card so we iron those wrinkles at a right into our company so i think that's what has really helped us Gary, what are some some final questions or thoughts that you have on your mind? Well, it's probably a thought, and that is every successful entrepreneur that I know, and I know a number, (laughs) um, but every one of them, there's some similar traits that cut across every one of them. And Esbeth, you have them. And that is uh, a humility, a, a gratefulness and remembering from you know, none of us came, you know, at least the ones that I know didn't come with a silver spoon handed to them. None of them. Mm -hmm. And a couple of more uh, billionaires, you know, so, um, but there's this gratitude and a thankfulness um, and a um, realization. It's not about me and it's not all about me. It's not like all on my shoulders. You, you've talked in this uh, episode about the impact of mentors. And I would include your wife, your, you know, now that we've re- re- released this thing, but your wife, because she was a turning point in your life. I mean, in many ways, you owe her a you know, a massive debt of gratitude because she probably saved your life with some yes. of these books and that sort of thing. And just that encouragement, you know, we all need encouragement and, and that teachability and hunger for knowledge and then applying it. Those are kind of the, 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 the common traits that I've seen across every one of them, whether they're male, female, regardless of, of their ethnicity, that is a common trait with every one of them. And one of them was even the head of the Cherokee nation. So, right, you know, it's like just interesting. Um, so, Esbeth, you continue to inspire me, man. I mean, um, I did a 
thank God, or totally grateful it's Friday post. uh, (laughs) I saw that. And it was about you. It was about (laughs) you. You inspired that. And because it made me think of the impact of my own mentors. So, um, yeah. So thank you. Um, I have a question for you, Gary. Yeah. Hit me. Do, Do you still talk to your mentors? So my mentor, uh, passed away a couple years ago. I'm sorry. And I did. Um, but yes, absolutely. And, and what's funny too, is like, you, you're talking about Fernando. Um, and I doubt that you said, Hey, would you be my mentor? I doubt that you used those words, but you were learning and you built a relationship and those, those kind of relationships last forever. Yeah. One of my mentors, she, uh, I don't even know how old she is, uh, but she turned, uh, her birthday was yesterday, Cinco de Mayo. She was the best boss I've ever had. And I still stay in regular contact with her because I am so grateful for her and I haven't worked for her for 21 wow. years, <laughs> you know? So. Wow. That's, uh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Gary, Gary didn't hire any of his mentors. So no that is true i mean that's what's so amazing like and and the mentor that i was talking about in that little video i think he is still alive in uh, phoenix arizona and we've we've maintained relationship over the years but um i keep looking because i don't even have his contact information anymore and he's not on linkedin he's got to be probably in his nineties at this moment point. Wow. Um, so anyway, no, the reason I was asking, cause uh, there, there's one that his name was Sanchez. What was his name was Sanchez. He mentored me a lot. Uh, I worked for him cleaning carpets at golden crawl when we started the company in 2012, like 2014. And, you know, we just lost all communication. I mean, great guy. I mean, I learned so much from him. And that's what I was asking. I was like, maybe do when you have some mentors, like do you guys just part ways or is it also my fault for not keeping in touch? Well, I think there, there are some of those that th- they do and you know, it just kind of naturally happens. And then there are those that I think you have to be extremely intentional. Um, you know, this boss that I was telling you about, um, you know, she doesn't contact me but I contact her and she's got a humongous job. I mean, she's really busy, but I want her to know I'm grateful and, um, and I don't have any expectations back. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful for what she taught me by how she lived and how she led. And, uh, and you're doing the same thing for others uh, as the people are watching you. And uh, so I'm just really glad that we got to have you tell your story in your words on this. Cause I know it will inspire many. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. And that's what we're here to do. Just help each other out and keep growing. That's right. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing and being as, as authentic welcome, and vulnerable ben. as you were. It's been, uh, been a pleasure. Likewise, if ben. wants to find you, what's the best way for them to find you, Esbeth? Uh, email. Yeah, I, 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 I consistently check my personal email uh, with work. What's your email? Uh, it's Espeth, E-S-B as in boy, I-T-H, at Insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, dash as in hyphen, auto, A-U-T-O dot com. Perfect. You can also find them on the web. 
You can also <laughs> find him on LinkedIn. Yep. Thank, Thank you, you, Gary. Thank you so much, Esben. Thank you, Ben. You a great job. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Make you it too. count.